0: If you would, please turn with me to John chapter 8, John chapter 8, and I will be reading verses 21 through 30, or we will be giving our attention to verses 21 through 24. So John chapter 8, John chapter 8, verses 21 through 30. Hear the word of God. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sins. And you will die in your sin. That's important. Where I go, you cannot come. So Jesus said, so the Jews said, Will he kill himself because he says, where I go, you cannot come? And he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, plural. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins, Then they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just as I have been saying to you from the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that Jesus spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. As He spoke these words, many believed in Him. We come to these... This chapter, this, this is uh, one of those great chapters of the Bible where Jesus, of course, made that wonderful statement, I am the light of the world. In verse 12. But not only that, here, Jesus speaks to the Jews, and if we had to sum up what he's talking about is dying in peace, would you die in peace? Now, you know, this is, part of, this is one of the reasons people don't like coming to church because they don't want to think about dying. But I have a very interesting fact for you. Ten out of ten people die. <laughs> and we don't know when and we don't know how. That is what takes up most of our concerns about death and dying. When we think about death and dying, we think about When? oh, I hope it's not, you know, now. I just need a little longer. Or we think about how we're going to die. I would hate to die of a terminal disease or in a car accident or violently or tragically, or I I would, you know, hate to die of COVID or in a government concentration camp. (coughs) But... To be honest with you, that doesn't matter. When you die doesn't matter. And how you die doesn't matter. Ultimately, those things are of no consequence. But that is what we have tricked ourselves into believing. And now, even in your mind, you may be arguing with me, well, what if I have a family and I don't have life insurance and this, that, and the third? You'll be either in Absolute bliss or in eternal sufferings. So, will you die well? Will you die in Christ? That is really what matters. So, Jesus picks up his discussion with the Jews. Of course, in previous verses, in the previous verses here, 13 and following, Jesus was defending his testimony. Jesus was defending his testimony. And now, as Jesus speaks to the Jews again, he picks up this great theme. Look at verse 21. Then Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will seek me, and Will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. He is speaking about his death, of course. He's speaking about his death, resurrection, ascension. And note the voluntary nature. I am going away. Not you will send me away or you will send me somewhere or someone else will or you will force me or i will be coerced but i am going away he's going to say to them later in john 10:18 no one takes it from me my life but i lay it down myself his death will be voluntary but his death Burial and resurrection will be the means by which he returns to where he was, which is glory, heaven, the presence of his Father. And these men who are listening to him are going to seek him, and they will die in their sin. They will hopelessly seek the Messiah. He's talking to the Jewish people in particular here, of course. Corporately in AD 70, this happened. When they were surrounded by their enemies, they desired for the day of the Messiah. They longed for him, not personally for Jesus, because they did not believe that he was their savior, but they longed for their deliverer to come. And even now, as the Jewish people are scattered throughout all of the world, those who, those who even believe the Old Testament, because there are many who don't, what are they longing for? Hopelessly for the coming of the Christ. Today, corporately and individually, it may not be a person, as the Jews seek the Messiah, But men and women are seeking someone or something to save them, to pull them out of their miserable condition. And people look everywhere and anywhere. So they look to drugs and alcohol, to sex, to entertainment. They look to religion. They look to philosophy. They look to anything that will grant them some sort of relief from the misery that they live in. Listen to Luther's own testimony and this is, this is very interesting how he puts this here. Luther writes, I was a monk and observed vigils, fasted, prayed, mortified and tortured my flesh to remain obedient and to live a chaste life. Many priests Monks and nuns did the same. Now note this. I'm speaking of the pious and sincere monks who took their vocation, their calling to be monks, nuns, priests, seriously. Not of the fornicators and knaves who were steeped in lewd and lascivious life. I'm not talking about religious hypocrites. I'm talking about those men who were with me in the monasteries starving themselves because they believed it would be a means of mortifying the flesh and gaining godliness. I refer to those who slaved at it, as I did, and plagued themselves to attain to Christ and salvation. And what did they accomplish? Did they find Christ? No. You see, we are prone to look everywhere else but to Christ to be our deliverer. We will look to the formalism of the most rigid religion. We'll, we'll I mean, whatever we have to do not to turn to Christ not to go to him. Luther adds this, all this in vain. And we are doomed unless at the end God comes to rescue and we live and die in Christ. The Jews were utterly hopeless because they rejected Jesus. And anyone who's on this Planet today, and in this room, or who can hear me today, if you reject Christ, you will die in your sin. You will die in your sin. And note how important that is. He says sin here and sins later. We know from Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and following, that sin entered the world by Adam's sin. And because of that, as Paul interprets what happened in Genesis chapter 3, he says this, Just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned in Adam. Sin spread to everyone, everywhere. And because of this, all men are conceived and born in sin. Every person in in this world, everyone who has ever existed except for Christ is born and conceived in sin. What is man that he could be pure and he who is born of woman that he could be righteous? He cannot be. How can a man be righteous before God? Or can he be pure who is born of a woman? No. No. And the Bible concludes in Galatians in particular that all un- are confined under sin. They are held captive under it. No man is without it. There is no person who is without sin. The danger of this is that God marks sin. He is actually called the one who marks sin in the book of Job, chapter 10, verse 14. And in Isaiah 13, Isaiah says this, I will punish the world for its sin, evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. God promises to judge our sin. And singular here because he's talking about, some some would take it this way. But in the context, what he's talking about here notably is the prominent sin of the Jewish leaders, which is their unbelief. Their unwillingness to believe Jesus, no matter what he says, no matter what he does, no matter how much he proves to them from the scriptures that he is the Messiah, they refuse to believe in him. So that in Romans, Paul says this. What then? Israel, and look, look at how similar the language is. Israel has not obtained what it seeks. But the elect have, the rest were blinded. And this is what sin does. Of course, our sin that we are born with that we inherit from Adam. But then each person has a particular sin that keeps them from coming to Christ. For the Jews, it was unbelief. For you, what is it? And now under such a sober warning that they would die in their sins, and the danger there, of course, that they'll be damned forever. Under such a sober warning, they mock him. Listen to what they say. Will he kill himself because he says, where I go, you cannot come? He's going to commit. He must, must, if if we wanted to paraphrase this, and this goes with Keith's Sunday school class, um, they would say one of the worst things you could say to somebody, oh, he must be going to hell. Because we can't go there. We're Jews. So he must be going to kill himself. That's what he's going to do. He's going to hell. This is not an honest question. This is mockery. No special law, uh, one dictionary writes this, no special law is found against this crime, suicide, in the Bible, for it is included in the prohibition against killing. Contrary to the practice and philosophy of paganism, the act was held in deep abhorrence by the Jews because of the high value placed on human life. It was held inexcusable that any but the most degraded and satanic should lay hands on their own lives. Only the remorse of the damned could drive one to it. This is mockery. the mock, Absolute mockery of what Christ is saying to them probably one of the most sober warnings he gives in the Gospel of John, and what they do is mock him. And that is the same response we meet today, when we tell people that apart from Jesus, they will die in their sin. Could you imagine if you were that honest with someone? If you were sitting across the table with someone, a family member, someone you love, maybe even a stranger, and you said to them, Unless you believe, you'll die in your sin. And that means you'll go right to hell. Because you don't have Jesus. We must not forget this, this line. If we love and desire to serve God... We must be prepared for this kind of response when we, in love for others, present the gospel to them. Look, there there are going to be people who don't like you, not because you're a Christian, you you know? They don't like your voice. They don't like your hair. They don't like your personality, your ethnicity, where you're from, how much money you make, how much money you don't make tons of things they could not like about you. The way you smell, who knows, right? But here is where a, a line is, is drawn. And Jesus says it this way to his disciples in John 15, 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. We should not be afraid then to show our allegiance to Jesus when we talk to people. We don't delight in proving that we're better than other people. right? That's not what we're doing as Christians when we share the gospel with someone and we talk to them about Their eternal souls, right? We're not proving that we're better. We're not trying to do that, but because we know better than they do about sin and misery, because we've been delivered from it, we have a perspective that the unbeliever doesn't have, and that is that we were once in that condition, and by the grace of God, have been saved out of that condition. Therefore, we can speak to them with clarity. We live, as Jesus said earlier. In the light, therefore we can see our past darkness and the sin that we lived in. We have become like our heavenly Father who has no pleasure in the death of the wicked but rather loves mercy. Therefore we speak the truth in love. But not only is this mockery, and the kind of mockery that we'll face, it's also very devilish. What I mean by this is that there is a very close resemblance to what they do here and what happens in Matthew 4, verse 6. What does the devil tell Jesus? If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from this high pinnacle, and God will catch you in his hands. Right? That's what it says in the Bible. It's really demonic, this this kind of... Uh, taunting and tempting of Christ. And what it does, it exposes the heart of the unbeliever. Later on in this chapter, Jesus is going to say to the Jews, you are of your father, the devil. That is harsh. That's not loving. I have that in my notes here. And I didn't know what he was going to say. But there is also, not only is mockery, it's devilish, but this is also, there's a lot of irony here. Because Jesus will voluntarily give his life. He doesn't voluntarily take it, as in suicide, but he will voluntarily give his life for the sins of his people. Listen to Uh, Aquinas said this. He did not say that they could not go to death but that they could not go through death could not go through death to the place where Christ through his death would be. He's not saying that they wouldn't die. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you will die but when you die you will not go where I am going. We, we all will die. And those of us who are Christians will go through death in Christ to heaven. And it doesn't matter how we die. And now this wicked reply, of course, sets up what Jesus says next. Look at verse 23. There is a difference between Jesus and those who are insulting him. There is a difference. You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you, you will die in your sins, plural, for if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. You are from beneath. You are of this world. I am from above. I am not of this world. And of course here we have this this beautiful distinction. Christ is the Son of God, but Christ is also the Son of Man. He is a human. He came forth from the Father and came into the world. Yet, he was also a man. So he's not making the distinction between somebody who's divine and somebody who's human. That's not his point here. This highlights that truth. And when we look at these texts, that's what comes to mind. But that's not what he's talking about because he lived on earth. He was here. He took upon flesh. He was a man. He was tempted in every respect except sinning. He did not sin. But what is he saying? He is He's not of the world. He's not of this world's system. He is of God and from the kingdom of God. And he came to usher in that kingdom and to call people to come into that kingdom and he is pointing out the distinction between himself and them they are in total darkness as he says elsewhere elsewhere and this is their whole misery this is the misery of those who do not believe in Christ that they die in their sins They are held accountable for all of the sins they have ever committed. Yet, conversely, on the other side of this, if you believe, you will not die in your sins. If you do not believe, listen to his words You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins for if you do not believe that I am. You notice in your Bibles how that's italicized because the he is not in the text. That's an interpretation as uh, most translation is interpretation. But literally this is If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am God, that's what he's saying. This this is the name given in the Old Testament to God, the equivalent to Yahweh or Jehovah. That is the name that he uses here. Listen to it in Isaiah 41.4. Who has performed and done it? Calling the generations from the beginning, I, the Lord, am the first, and with the last I am. Throughout the Old Testament, this expression is used to identify God. Look at the question they ask him in verse 25 Who are you? And he says to them, I am. If a person does not believe that Jesus is God, that person will not go to heaven. God in distinction to the Father. Because he says to them later in verse 25, but just as my Father taught me. Unity of essence, distinction of persons. If a person does not believe that Jesus is God, the promised Messiah that was coming into the world to die for the sins of men, they will die in their sins. Yet he offers himself to them here. But when we read passages like this, all, you, you know, it, it's like our minds jam up on us. And we think of only the negative, right? If, I, if a person does not believe, he will die in his sins. But think of, conversely, what he's actually saying to them also. If you do believe, you will not die in your sins. Every one of your sins will be forgiven, past, present, and future. But not only that, I will transform you. You will be from above as I am. Not from below. Not You will not live according to this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You will be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son. You will be, as Jesus says to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, born again. And that is what Jesus is calling these Jews to. And think of their response to him Will he kill himself? Is he going to hell? And he says to them, If you believe in me, even that sin will be forgiven. Jesus is so unlike us, even as Christians. Because when somebody gives us a rude look, we want to damn them to the worst part of hell. I was driving the other day, and the person in front of me was driving relatively slow. (laughs) And the anger, I really had to uh, repent of it as I was driving. Yet Jesus can, with such grace, deal with those who hated him. They hated him so much that they would give him to 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 the Romans that he might be crucified. And in all of that, he was offering himself to everyone who would believe in him. And the same call goes out today. If you are pondering who is Jesus, he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the only Savior of the world. Believe and trust in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, (coughs) we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time together this morning and we ask that if there are any here who do not believe in you, that you would grant them life, Lord. We're not naive. And even in a group this small, we know that everyone is, is, is not a Christian. And we ask, Lord, that you would, by your grace, draw them to yourself, that you would forgive them of all of their sins and that they would be united to Christ by faith. For those of us who believe in Jesus, I pray that you would give us great boldness and confidence to speak the way that he spoke, in love, but with truth. Lord God, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you would bless the preaching of it to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray, amen.